0: Hello, welcome to Shared Instance, a semi-weekly podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. This is our first episode that we're willing to unleash upon the public. I'm your host for the night, Sam Corder. Normally we would be joined by our third member, Alex Robinson, however he was not available tonight. But we do have the illustrious Alex Argo. Say hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. (laughs) And not joining me today is Alex Robinson. Do not say hi, Alex, since you are not here. And I am Sam Corder, a iOS developer in Cincinnati, as I've already said, which will get cut again. (laughs) 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 So, um...
1: We should just talk and you can cut all this out. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, this is our inaugural episode. We did hope to have all three of us on board today, but the third is suspiciously missing. We hope he's fine. He's probably sleeping.
1: That sounds about right. (laughs) So iOS stuff?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so we are an iOS podcast, believe it or not. Supposedly. Yeah. Although we have a few things probably not so apple to talk about tonight, but iOS in general, just uh, our experiences in the developer world, and how we relate to things going on out there. So I think uh one of the things we wanted to talk about today was the announcement by Facebook. Yeah?
1: Yeah? That's that was very very interesting. Uh apparently, you know, they've they've been switching some things up for the world of JavaScript developers with React JS, uh and seems like they're taking that uh into native land. It should be should be very Very interesting to see how that plays out. It seems like a really cool framework that I think a lot of JavaScript developers are very happy with.
0: Yeah, I think the React stuff, it's gotten mixed reviews out there in the JavaScript world. I think one of the big complaints, and they talked about that in their little keynote, was how it embeds markup inside of the components, which on the surface I think sounds really backwards, as they've said
1: yeah, it sounds like a legitimate, legitimate complaint. That's for sure.
0: Although I think even the, say like the Google's Polymer, stuff does that. Yeah,
1: it seems like they, from their point of view, the the big difference between uh, kind of, you know, React JS and maybe other UI frameworks for for JavaScript, or it's it's more of a declarative. Uh,
0: yeah, when I hear React JS, I I think of Reactive Cocoa first off the bat and having signals and subscriptions and pub sub type things and I don't know if I got that out of the talk did you
1: um I wonder I don't think I I did it seems like their main point was you know everything's immutable and declarative and uh you know that's that's the reason why it's better but I don't think just in the the two talks that are out there they got deep enough into it so that you could see that stuff and I haven't used enough uh react js in general to know you know how how all of the all of that stuff that you talked about works um I guess kind of the the hook that they have is the what they call the learned once uh write anywhere thing, yeah. which is yeah. you know a little bit different from the the whole write once run anywhere you know silver bullet that you know any any person who's paying for a bunch of apps to get created sounds awesome to them but then you get a horrible user experience the cool thing about react native is that you're actually drawing native views using native navigation on all of the platforms and that's that's the thing that kind of makes me excited even if it maybe i haven't delved into it enough to see some of the things that you like about reactive coco in
0: it yeah i was actually interested just maybe seeing how to call it from objective c and seeing how well that might work but i didn't in true demo fashion i didn't see like the separation of concerns it was all here's a bunch of ui stuff and Here's how you put color on things, and, and that was cool. The The whole idea where it, it called out into a Node.js server, and that's where the actual logic was running, and they could reload the program on the fly, real simple. Just make a code change, save it, and it's updated in the UI. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and uh, one of the, the other things with uh, it actually being all of the UI code native is is that you won't get that that crappy user experience, and it seems like it'll be a lot quicker to develop because of all the, the things that you just mentioned.
0: Right. But then they said that the JavaScript core is running on a background thread. I'm assuming, or making some assumption, that they're maybe using the Async Display Kit stuff in there as well.
1: I think I've read other places that that is what they're doing for that there was like a caveat that they mentioned in the talk as well that anything you needed to do needed to be asynchronous if you were doing anything on the javascript side as well so that would stop you from using if you were a javascript developer mainly certain APIs like the the local storage i think is a synchronous API
0: mm, or just maybe plugging in straight into core data
1: i would imagine you can do do that uh like like you said though we haven't really seen how it interoperates with objective c yeah
0: i'm interested not from a javascript perspective though i still can't get past that language
1: from someone who hasn't done much swift uh it seems pretty much like javascript and and swift are pretty similar in terms of my want my want to to use them i think we just
0: killed off any swift (laughs) listeners we might ever have (laughs) (laughs)
1: it's possible i'll probably have to suck it up and learn swift at some point but it's really it's not high on the top of my priority list which is kind of weird because i used to be all about jumping into whatever the the new thing is and uh you know just since i've been working working for myself it's it's like oh there's a lot of there's a lot of costs for doing that, whereas <laughs> when I was working for somebody else, it's like, oh yeah, it'd be awesome if you'd pay me to learn this new thing and make all these mistakes while I figure it all out. But yeah, when I was, I was a, like, oh. when
0: I was a full timer, I felt the same way. It's like, oh okay, I'm gonna spend a couple hours a day learning this new thing and try to apply it to my job, and, and while well, I'm at my job learning this stuff, and then I became a contractor, and now I feel like I need to provide value probably a harsh thing to say for full-time employees out there
1: well but even even then you know you can find a a gig where they hear there's something new and cool to use i've heard of other people who are consultants who are like oh it has to be with this new thing so learn this new thing and figure it out that (laughs) may not be super common uh but
0: yeah no i think it does happen and sometimes people are just glad to have a senior developer rather than a senior ios developer They'll, yeah. They'll settle for the lesser of two evil.
1: So uh one one thing I was I was curious about with uh, with the React stuff, I thought it was kind of interesting how they talked about their their layout engine. Um and, and they basically talk about how they basically created it. I think it, the exact words they used were extreme test driven programming. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. Where they're <laughs> mutate taking their test data and mutating it
1: randomly and then comparing it to a browser to to just make sure it actually passes the tests
0: yeah i think that's a great idea it sounded like it would be a fun idea. experiment to do
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's not like there aren't other frameworks in other languages where they don't mutate your data there's there's ones for ruby that'll definitely mutate your data and slam your test with whatever they can we just don't have that in ios land yet
1: yeah, another one of the concepts they talked about that I wasn't super uh, familiar with. Maybe, maybe you know a little bit more. But is the virtual DOM? Does that mean anything to you? I, I kind of cobbled together what I what I think it means, but
0: I'm not sure about the virtual DOM. I, I've been boning up on the Google's Polymer stuff lately, and the new Chrome browser it supports a shadow DOM, so they can do DOM manipulations. Against like a fake DOM, but I don't, I don't think it's the same thing as their virtual DOM. I think that's more of something they've coded up in in React.
1: Well, I think even even in JavaScript, they they call what they do a virtual DOM, so it may be the same thing. But I, I think the gist of it is, you know, you have this whenever you're you're evaluating the the, the current state of something, um, you're doing it not with you know the browser dom and javascript or the actual view hierarchy in iOS but they're doing it uh you know with their own objects in an asynchronous thread and then they just do a essentially a diff between the current uh, view state and the last view state and that that's how it actually translates to the actual dom so that you're not like calling change the color of this thing when this happens you're you're saying this state has changed now, and...
0: And go ahead and sync so up Go ahead and
1: make this happen, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I've, I've looked at the async display kit stuff a little bit, and it has this idea of different nodes, and that you would make your changes to those nodes. So that could be related. We're definitely not the experts on this one.
1: Clearly. but It'll be interesting to see when there's actually source code out there, and we can try it out ourselves and get into some of the more complicated scenarios
0: um yeah i think the announcement's only what four days old right now
1: that sounds about right the that was the release date on the youtube videos i saw at least (laughs) yeah sounds like just the people at the conference got access to the 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 repository so they could play around with it now but Mm -hmm. they said it's going to be open source soon so
0: i did look a little bit at their css thing that is already open source it's like a css engine written in javascript mm-hmm. which is what he was talking about with the extreme test driven stuff yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, my problem with that with that randomized data like that though is how do you repeat that you can't really easily repeat those tests
1: well you could always record whatever the seed was you you used, and if there's some test that fails you can Say, all right, I've got this seed. I want to make sure I test against or something along those
0: lines. I I would imagine that it, eventually it's going to hit all of your possible test cases anyway.
1: Yeah, I have a we have a similar problem in in the apps that I work with in that there's some randomized data that that starts <laughs> all of the apps off. It's a card game, so uh, we actually. You know, do some of that stuff because it's a pain in the butt to test when you don't know what your your data is. So we have some ways to inject some some random seeds just to, to get some reliable test data. But
0: yeah, I remember people used to pass around free cell numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, type that into their game number. Yep. for free cell.
1: Same. Yeah, it's the same general concept that that we use.
0: <laughs> so you got free cell on the app store, huh?
1: Pretty much. Yep. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so yeah, it will be interesting. I think the guys over at like Appcelerator that are writing Titanium and stuff—they are probably going, uh-oh, what now?
1: Yeah, I, I, I've got a feeling that most people have kind of gone, gone away from the consumer-facing hybrid apps, anyways. Uh, but if this, if this isn't something to to get rid of it, then I don't know what else
0: saying it would be if this fails spectacularly then it'll set back hybrid for years to come
1: yeah it was kind of interesting i read a blog post about what i hate about uh react native and that was essentially you know what they were saying is that you know facebook is was you know a strong ally of of hybrid app development at, at one point um, and they pushed a lot of the technology forward for that, and now they're kind of in a place where they've said, "Yeah, good luck with you guys. You know, we're we're, we're moving on from this, and we we want all the JavaScript developers <laughs> that we can find uh, to come over here and forget all that hybrid stuff."
0: Well, that's hybrid from a, a Web View, PhoneGap-like solution. Yeah, but the Titanium stuff—that's actual javascript executing against native code with different bindings
1: right but it's but, it's still garbage though <laughs>
0: <laughs> well yeah they do they do have this kind of like virtual layer between you and the actual api and
1: yeah they they i mean the difference is kind of the write once run anywhere versus the the learn once you know on on titanium it was some abstract ui layer that you know is just subpar because it has to work the same everywhere
0: and doesn't and
1: does well it it does the best it can but that makes it crappy everywhere (laughs) it doesn't make it good anywhere so
0: right and then there's the performance on android their javascript engines have just been terrible in the past
1: yeah the, the react guys made a big deal about how you know, all the JavaScript was running asynchronously so you could leave the main thread alone. Um, that seems to be necessary to, to keep things running smoothly.
0: Yeah, especially in a Android world where you lock up the main thread long enough and it's actually going to tell the user that, hey, this app is not responding. and The user doesn't wait around. He just gets killed.
1: Yep, Android's pretty cool in that, in that <laughs> regard. I guess that's why we all prefer iOS. <laughs>
0: I don't know, I I flip back and forth a little bit, but my my primary driver is still my iPhone. Our other topic we were going to hit tonight, all the talk these days about the shape of the app store and the the profits that people are making.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been interesting. There's been a lot of people uh, sharing lots of information that they haven't previously and at first it seems like it started about six six months ago and it was all the doom and gloom stories like I you know, I quit my job and I went out on the app store and six months later I've given up and
0: Well, we saw one of those at our local Cocoa Heads meet up.
1: We did. I think his name was Ben with Okie Doke Software. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if we have to cut this out later. We'll see. <laughs> no and
0: to be honest, we could pimp his app a little bit. It's a nice little app. Basically, the app um, lets you kind of prototype a song, right?
1: Yeah. You
0: lay out the lyrics and everything. We'll put notes. Put a link to it in the show notes because he was a nice guy.
1: Yeah, it's a good. It was it was a cool app that he spent lots of time on, and yeah. Definitely, there's there's lots of stories that that just. I, I guess the point of them is they go to show that you can't it's not a gold rush anymore you you can't just put out an app to uh expect everyone to go download it and and use it and you know go retire on your island and in the bahamas or whatever uh but yeah uh recent recently at least uh we've we've had some you know success stories too uh we had uh kind of the monument valley people share their numbers and they're making you know millions of dollars uh we had marco arment share his numbers for overcast and not that he has to care about money but he's (laughs) he's he's doing you know pretty well uh off of that um so it seems like all these recent numbers that we've gotten people are you know starting to get kind of optimistic again um I'm curious, uh, what your what your thoughts on that were, Sam. Recently, you know, what 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 do you think? Does it make you want to, you know, strike out in your spare time and and start working on an app, or or are you unchanged? Or what what do you think in regards to having your own apps?
0: Well, despite having enough vacation time banked up for enough time to maybe give myself a ramp, I don't think I would quit my job today and do it. I really think you need a business model. It's not about the app anymore. Sure, there's going to be the flappy birds that'll take people by storm and then die. But you really, for sustainability, you're going to need a business model. And that is not putting out a new version of your app every six months or a year or putting out a 2.0 that you have to go and pay a separate fee for I really think you need some kind of recurring revenue.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if anyone I guess maybe people tried it in the past, but I don't think many people would advocate, you know, just quitting your job making an app <laughs> and uh going going just going for it all in, although I think the the manual guy actually did that. He he took six weeks to to make the app and you know, he's he's making you know, over a hundred uh, thousand dollars off of it so far. So, it it does still work sometimes. You got to get really lucky. Uh, one of the things that was kind of interesting to me is I was looking at the, you know, Charles Perry put some of these numbers together in, in a blog post he did on his his blog, and it shows lots of money being made, kind of up towards the the top end of the App Store, and And not much down at the bottom. And I guess for me personally, that seemed kind of depressing. You know, it's uh, the thousand people with the best apps or the people who are making enough money to survive. And that's assuming they can kind of stay at that spot in the grossing charts every day.
0: Right. Nobody's going to be on that chart in that same position for an entire year.
1: Yeah. And... It, it seems like a depressing thing to, to me, I guess, just because uh, maybe I have a somewhat unique perspective on that in that uh, I'd show up nowhere on the top grossing chart and uh, still uh, I, I can make a, a good enough living off of my apps. Um, and I thought it was its something that's hard to capture, especially in the data that, that people are sharing because, uh, you know, if you get just just so everyone knows, my my app is uh, free and most of our money comes from ads. So uh, it's kind of a different different revenue model than either doing in app purchases or or app sales. And that that data is not captured at all in the graph. So
0: yeah, even things like they said dropbox free app but Mm -hmm. definitely not in the top grossing because it's a free app but is certainly doing well
1: yeah uh and you know i get my cut taken from that company instead of apple for for some of that money (laughs) um and it's kind of surprised me that apple hasn't tried to get their their cut in on the ads ads yet um Maybe that's coming. Uh, we'll see. But
0: wasn't, uh, wasn't that iad back in the day? Well, they
1: have iad, but they kind of uh, didn't didn't go in on on iad. They tried to make it like the the premium advertising platform, so they basically couldn't. So not many people can get much money out of out of iad. But there's lots of other ad networks that that you can use. But um, one kind of Interesting point on the graph that I thought I'd like to throw out is that uh, if you look at kind of the the curve uh, on on a Charles Perry's blog on his his post, basically uh, the one data point that I have for my apps is that I'm on the kind of top part of the of the curve that's on there, so I'm definitely not in the top 1000 grossing apps and i i think maybe every once in a while like one of my apps will make it into the top 1000 free uh but maybe only like a couple times a year or something like that so uh there is money to be made and it just shows to me that there's there's more opportunity out there just in the kind of what you get from the top grossing apps kind of like we were saying with dropbox and you know all these other kinds of apps that have other ways to get recurring revenue
0: yeah ones with a somewhat of a business model i mean your business model is selling ads while people are playing a game yeah and yeah i think this is not really representative of the overall ecosystem and Can be a little bit misleading if you think, oh, I'm going to get in the top 1,000 and stay there for an entire year and make, you know, $60,000 or something. Mm -hmm. That's maybe not going to happen.
1: Well, yeah. And I, you know, just how I started off, it was, you know, four or five years ago, but uh, I didn't. You know, go ahead and quit my job and then uh just say, "All right, this is it. If I don't make it, then I'm done with, with making apps <laughs> I think um, your wife would have left you <laughs> yes my my wife and and my kids would not have been very happy, but uh it was something I did on the side and did it for a very long time and until it you know the recurring revenue built up until it was you know to the point where I could comfortably quit my job um and I guess I would probably recommend kind of taking that path if, if you if you have some spare time. <laughs> yeah. Not that everyone has lots of spare time, but...
0: Well, it's a, matter, it's, it's, it's a matter of being able to sit down and just dedicate some amount of time per week. And that's not always easy. Yeah. Especially when, say, work consumes a good part of your life on occasion, like it has for me this past two weeks.
1: Yeah. But I mean, even if, you know, you're, even if you're one of those people who went all in and then gave up after six months, maybe that was too early. Maybe you should have, you know, taken on some consulting work or, and kind of, you know, keep, continue to update your app in your spare time because hopefully there's not as much work to be done. And, you know, if you, you have some patience maybe you you can kind of make it out with with a more of a success in your mind yeah. you just gotta wait it out sometimes i think
0: yeah i think you definitely can't just cut the cord from the man right away it's gotta be slow and gradual and yeah you're gonna have to put in a lot of time you definitely paid your dues long long nights a lot of coffee <laughs> In the morning. Yeah,
1: coffee is good. <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: uh... Like the, the unread guy, Justin, I don't remember his last name, who wrote that nice RSS reader. Mm-hmm. Good example. He made a lot of money for his first six months that a lot of people would like to have. But then, it wasn't enough for him. And, sure, it definitely would not be enough if you're on your own especially i think he lives in san francisco
1: yeah, if you want to live in the uh, some expensive locale like that where yeah it's it's just not not a good thing to do but if you want to go you know live somewhere in mexico mexico <laughs> or yeah any other country even like you know places like Ohio or you know Maine somewhere where cost of living's a lot lower you can you can get by with a lot less
0: right i saw a map the other day of what it takes to be in the 1% of your state and ohio's it's not insignificant but it's definitely not like what new york was i think it was 350,000 a year is what you need to be in the 1% in ohio so in well is it new york (laughs) (laughs) i don't have the map in front of me right now but it was definitely much higher but then again in new york you have a lot of billionaires living there or they're just buying the real estate there Mm -hmm. to park their money so new york is probably not a representative sample and you don't need to be
1: in the 1% to uh, to make a you know a good living either obviously. Very true. At least in Ohio, you don't need $350,000 to uh to live comfortably, I don't think.
0: <laughs> no, it definitely would be nice. <laughs> I would not complain. Yeah. Got to buy my uh lottery ticket too. <laughs> Put my $1 in. Get my one ticket. So it's a Scam. <laughs> it is. But You can't win without playing, and $1 is the minimum for playing, so... I figure that's good enough. And only when it gets high.
1: (laughs) More power to you.
0: (laughs) If I ever win. (laughs) If
1: you ever win, I won't be asking you for a car or whatever, since (laughs) since I'm saying it's not a good idea. (laughs) So what else is new, Sam? (laughs)
0: I'll tell you, work has been kind of a pain lately. Oh, I did see a cool thing that I want to implement at work. It's that so there's on Java, there's this thing called PMD. I think it stands for pretty much done, and it has this thing in it called CPD, which is copy paste protect copy paste detector, and it works for Java Java code and lots of other. Languages, but there's also a Objective C plugin. So it takes your program, tokenizes it, and then compares chunks of it to other parts of the program. So then you can see, oh, I've got 10% of my app that's been copy pasted from one part to another, and it'll even hmm. look at things like, oh, you've got this much code, and there's a constant in here that's different between these two parts. So I want to take that and put that in there and maybe implement it into our uh, CI server.
1: That definitely sounds pretty cool. Do they have Swiss support or just Objective-C at this point? <laughs> just Objective-C. Well, that's what all my code is, so that would, that would be perfect <laughs> for me.
0: Yeah. I want to, I, I've want i heard that certain parts of the app from, from other developers and the team certain parts of our app have a lot of copy paste going on well
1: and that I think that's a natural thing to happen yeah a lot of times you don't realize that you're you're doing the same thing until someone else looks at it or you've already done it ten times and it may not be worth you know after the second time writing twice as much code to you know ab- abstract the the one thing
0: right it'll definitely look at say patterns of architecture and go oh that's a duplicate when it not necessarily is a duplicate but then again it'll look at whole if blocks and say oh yeah that if block over there that's the same one as that one and this other file almost verbatim and i think that's what's valuable because if somebody's doing the same thing twice and Mm-hmm. In two different places, and one gets updated. There's bound to be bugs, and QA gets really happy.
1: Yeah, I think I, I found some some cases of that recently in our code. Like when we we're trying to figure out what kind of device you have, that's that's one of those things that if you need to figure something out, maybe just go to Stack Overflow and bingo bango. You, now you got a <laughs> <laughs> it one way, and then and someone else has to do the same thing they don't realize it's already there and find a they choose, you know, a different answer <laughs> or maybe the same one and
0: or just they copy paste it differently and
1: i'm definitely going to have to try that out too that sounds it sounds interesting
0: and, and like code coverage it's just a metric i think that says yeah, you might have something wrong here and not that you're doing well the okay. like code coverage—you could say, "Oh, I've got ninety percent code coverage, so I—I I have adequate unit tests, or even a hundred percent code coverage, which nobody has." And, these, and they go, "So all my tests are good, right?" And you go, <laughs> "No, no, it's not.
1: <laughs> Just means you've exercised all of your code and <laughs> tests, not."
0: <laughs> yeah. So, like anything, it's definitely something you got to think about and apply your brain to. But if it If it helps you out and says, look, there might be a problem with this guy, because if you turn on blame and say, oh, this guy's doing a bunch of copy-pasting. Might be time to sit down and break his Command-C, Command-V keys.
1: (laughs) Just pop off the the Command key.
0: It seems like that could work. The C and the V. Who needs to type class anyway?
1: You could just find it somewhere else and... Copy paste it. <laughs> if you really wanted to type
0: it. Right click, copy.
1: Yeah. You have to get rid of their uh their trackpad too. Yeah. That might be harder.
0: <laughs> so do you want to talk a little bit about the new beta five that came out today?
1: Sounds like it's really cool if you're making a podcast app. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who's making a podcast app?
1: I don't know, lots of people, not me. Well, but uh, a
0: podcast listening app maybe.
1: Right, yeah. It seems like the biggest change is they added a bunch of basically hooks into uh, the the now playing control center that's that's in WatchKit. So, uh, and basically anything you're doing that, that that plays audio from your app, uh, you can can now time that, pause it start it put more information on there or whatever
0: well, that would be cool personally i've been a little worried when watch Kick came out it, i guess it was more than what a lot of people were expecting but it was probably less than what i was expecting and i was expecting to be able to do full-blown apps in this thing
1: i think the battery life is going to be so horrible that we're, we're gonna to need to to give it some time before we we tax the. Uh, the battery enough to to do full blown apps. It's probably good that it's limited right now, or else your your watch would be dying an hour and putting it on.
0: Yeah, well, people playing their Angry Birds on their on their watch and then wondering why they can't tell the time anymore. That's not yep. a good experience. Maybe the Apple Watch Two will help out with that kind of thing.
1: It could. We'll we'll have to. We'll have to see, but I think it's probably good to be given the limitations we have because that's kind of where we started with even you know iPhone OS back in the day. Was here's what you can do. You want to do background stuff? No, you want to copy paste? I don't think so. Figure out how to make useful apps without that, and I I think that helped a lot in the early days. I guess have so. people focus. Back then, I
0: make cool stuff. Back then, I had an Android phone, and I used to love to troll my iPhone friends. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look! I long pressed, and what's this say? <laughs> Copy.
1: <laughs> well, even even oh. you know having the the sandbox, which I, I think in general on on phones, since we've always had the sandbox, even you know on Android, there's a sandbox. It's not as strict, but. It's it's made us think about how how to make apps differently and and I think it's made them simpler uh, and easier to use for for a lot of people. And I think part of the what the limitations with WatchKit are going to do is hopefully make it so people don't just try to completely copy their their phone app and squeeze it down onto a, you know a. One inch display, people have to, you know, rethink. Okay, what what makes sense to put on here? Because I can't do all the stuff that I'm used to, used to doing on on the phone.
0: Right. And they've given us a, a limited set of controls that should help with that idea. Still, I wanted to be able to, you know, send my heartbeat through my own app to somebody. <laughs> or
1: it's it's touching, Sam, but. <laughs> I can wait till version two to to receive your heartbeat. I think. Aww. In your custom app.
0: Well, we've been going on for quite a while tonight. I think that's about all the time we've got. You want to go ahead and tell our listeners, all three of them, or you know, mom and dad and whoever else, where they can reach you.
1: Uh you can find me on on the Twitters at uh, Alex Argo. A L E X A R G O.
0: All right, and your company is?
1: A-Star Software. Uh, Just go to astarsoftware.com.
0: All right, cool. So I'm Sam Corder, and you can find me on Twitter at at Sam Corder. That's Sam, S-A-M-C-O-R-D-E-R. And I work for a small consulting company, Pinnacle Solutions Group. You can find us on the web at pinsg.com. And uh, thank you for joining us this week. Yeah, we'll, we'll just cut this out and post. <laughs> <laughs> you know, podcasts always say that, and they never do.
1: Are we actually going to air this one? <laughs> I think we should. Just fade to black. <laughs>